to the Gridiron Show, Ollie and Will in the house, we'll be talking NFL, the NFL UK announcement, one out of the two of us was correct and had the news before anybody else, we'll look back at Raiders versus Chiefs, we'll look at all of today's weekend, all of the, this weekend's games, this is the Gridiron Show. Yes, it's Ollie in the studio. Will down the line. How are you, buddy? Hey, babes. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too shabby. Not too shabby. Uh, um, I'm you, gonna that s- was incredibly loud. I've got to say it, yeah. And, it uh, was really loud. You might have to do some modding of that. Uh, oh, some modding? <laughs> um, and uh, additionally, uh, I like the fact that when you do the intro now, you it's like you do an impression of me at the beginning, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, I also get a bit kind of... You nail it. A bit nervous. So then I rush it, and then I just, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know how to finish it. I'll just finish it now. Great night and show. Yeah, but I do that a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. anyway, mate. And yeah. I've been doing it for 120 episodes, plus however many we did of the old show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been doing it for 120 episodes, you know. Um, Triple B. I got the announcement what? right before anybody else. I, I did get the announcement right before everybody Yeah, come else. on. Let's just, let's just get this out of the way, yeah? Um, yeah, so the NFL UK confirmed today that there will be four games in London. It's, it's kind of good that we were meant to do this podcast 24 hours ago and didn't do it, really, Ollie, isn't it? Well, it's all part of the plan. Uh, yeah, all clearly. All part of the plan. <laughs> um, so there will be four games next year. They haven't gone as far as actually announcing the games at this point. Those will be announced next Tuesday lunchtime, 1pm, via Facebook Live. Um, and then the season tickets will be out on Thursday morning. Uh, what we know at the moment... Uh, the Saints will play the Dolphins. The Ravens will probably play the Jags. I, the, the same source that told me it was four games and the announcement would be this week also told me that Ravens-Jags was 100% what the game was. But that's not been confirmed yet. And, you know, I, I'll happily go one for one and pretend like I didn't know the other one. Has this source told you anything else about who the other games will be? Well, the fact is, is that we know that the Rams are a likely other game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They have to do an international series game, and Mexico is looking increasingly unlikely. As it's, as, you know, it's been described as a logistical nightmare. You discussed the security issues on this show. It's not looking likely that they're going to go back to Mexico. So the Rams, had a look at the Rams' schedule, really like the looks of... If they're going for the let's get a team over that's not been before and got a bit of excitement to it, the Eagles jumps off the page uh, when they're back and healthy. You mean they next fly year, off the page? They fly off the page. That's what I should have said. Uh, and wow. I, I bow down to you, Ollie Hunter, uh, for your superior punnery. Punny. Uh, the the Eagles flew off the page at me immediately. Uh, the Texans galloped off the page at me. Um, no, the, didn't the Texans yeehaw off the page? They yeehawed off the page. I mean, yeah, why not? Because <laughs> yeah. um, the two teams that have never been before, there's a lot of Seahawks fans asking the question on Twitter. Did they, they do an additional game? Page? Will, the, will, <laughs> <laughs> will the Seahawks come? Will they do that? Like, every, Seahawks fans are absolutely desperate for them to come out here. I'd be really surprised if, while still trying to win over the LA crowd, they... Um, they gave up their biggest divisional game as it is at the moment because the Cardinals, whilst they've looked improved in recent weeks, have obviously had a drop off. The 49ers are a dumpster fire. Uh, and, you know, particularly when they beat them this year, mm. that's going to be a game to market your season tickets on. That's going to be a game to absolutely hang your hat on. And so to then send that to London, I'd be genuinely shocked. Um, the only other thing that I know but don't know and think that I can tell you now. There's lots of stuff that I can't say at the moment that I think is going to come out over the next couple of months. And is that the stuff that we were talking about before? Yeah, as we've got more information on that, because I need to get second sourced it and I need to find out more about it. But there is loads, loads of exciting NFL UK news to come over the next couple of months that we will get into. But I am confident that a team will do back-to-back games next year um, in 2018, not in 2017. And... Be-de-be-de-be-de-be-de-be-de-be. 
breaking news. I'm relatively confident that's going to be the Jags. Uh, and I'm probably 60% confident it's going to be two home games. Oh, really? So it's not going to be Jags at home, then Jags away or vice versa? Yeah, I, I think they are going to give up two home games. And it's, to be honest with you, I, I think it's becoming increasingly like they're going to um they're going to actually move a team here and the, the jags are going to be the team that's just the feeling i get i mean there's no yeah, I'm, I, I haven't got the firm evidence on that but i thought they were moving away from that idea i thought they were moving towards you know eight games a year but bringing different teams um it's interesting today well, that, well I've, I've, um the, the the kind of message that came from a few fans we talked to which is kind of contradictory to what we've heard from other people is that Rather than different games, I think people want the rooting interest. People actually want to get a season ticket. They're sports fans. They want to follow a team. Even if it's not going to be their team, they'd rather come and watch a team and watch them develop rather than just see eight random games over eight random weekends. Um, And so, uh, interestingly, there's quite a few fans who've said that. And that's how I feel about it. But it's just the long-term sustainability. I don't know. But, you know, we're not talking... We're talking 2022. We're not talking, you know next year or anything but can i ask you a a, a couple of questions on that do you think the jaguars performance this year if that kind of thing does happen if we are going to get an announcement in either about a team potentially moving here an announcement this season or at the end of this season the jaguars performance this season do you think that has helped in any way force (laughs) that push that forward there's a I real know it's like, hypothetical. Right? It's all hypothetical. This. What's really funny about the Jags this year is that we've we've win, we've whinged constantly about the fact they brought Dan Quinn in from Seattle and they couldn't get the defense right. And actually, they're not getting takeaways, but in yardage terms, they're sorry, the fourth... isn't Dan Quinn at um, the Falcons? Sorry, Dan. Yeah, he's a former <laughs> another former Seahawks defensive coordinator. I also, of course, meant Gus Bradley. Yeah. Okay. Um, same system, same deal, whatever, uh, is that the defense is working. It's just not getting takeaways. If you added, you know, four or five interceptions and a few fumbles to that defense over mm. the past eight weeks, I think not only would you have a lot more wins in the wing column, but we'd be talking about this team a lot more positively because they're the fourth best team in terms of yards allowed in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but Blake Bortles, as we've said many times, is clearly broken and that offense is a problem. And th- what would be great? Let's bring in a new head coach who can fix the quarterback and just give Gus Bradley a defensive coordinator's job. Just in the same city. I don't he'd never do it, but yeah, you know, I, I, I quite, let's break the mold. Let's do something different. I quite like that sideways thinking. In a, and sideways thinking in a good way. Gus Bradley moving sort of diagonally downwards and sideways. Uh, the, the other question I wanted to ask you, um, I'll, I'll preface it by repeating or, or, or uh, paraphrasing something that Alistair Kirkwood said on the NFL show on TalkSport 2, where he said, in his opinion, and that was his personal opinion, rather than NFL UK's op- opinion or NFL's opinion, that UK fans, European fans, when they're going to be getting the same sort of three games, four games, different teams... That's unsustainable for a long period of time. The fan base will get bored, and something needs to change. Something like a team moving here, or or, or something of that ilk. I think. That, I think. That's... I think that's. I think he was, and this was about a month and a half, two months ago. I think he was give, giving. I can't say he was giving us a hint, but look. No, I. I, do I you know what I mean. I, I think that's very perceptive, Ollie. I think he is. I think. We've seen the reaction to the four games today and the number of people that have said, uh, I probably won't do all four. And the number of people are saying who I might get a season ticket but try and sell one or two. Or even the people who are saying, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, that now four games, hotels, everything built into the cost, particularly if they change the kickoff times to the evening on all four games. Again, I don't think that's what will happen. I think it'll be two and two or something like that. But um, people are saying, well, right now if i go to all four of those games travel hotel ticket everything else i could take that money and go to the u.s for four or five days see two games in four or five days it would cost a bit more than that but not a lot more than that and you get the experience of watching games in america so i've heard a few people say that and that's 
uh, you know, with our friends at Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Um, that's certainly something that you know we I, I think is a valid point of conversation. Something that we are going to do next week, I think. Um, I think we're going to get a show out on the Monday. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do another separate short show on the Tuesday where we look back at uh, Pat's Ravens and we react to the eight games. We get your thoughts on them from Twitter. We uh, try and get either a couple of players on, a couple of beat writers from some of the newer teams that are announced. And, uh, and we do a little bit of, a, a, little bit of a, a reaction show on the Tuesday evening. What do you think, Holly? I think we should definitely do that, yeah. Are you going to be able to do that considering you've got the NFL show as well? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is a, a man who sounds not very confident. Well, I was also okay. thinking about the TalkSport 2 uh, Christmas drinks, which are also on Tuesday. Oh, God, I forgot about that. On Wednesday, we're going to do a... <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I might be in a state. Uh, let's try and figure out. Let's what we might do. We'll see what we can do. Um, <laughs> I've just remembered it. We we talked yeah. about this beforehand. Drawing back the curtain, guys. We talked discussed this beforehand, and then I just remembered. Yeah. Talks about two drinks. Yeah. And there are some funny weeks coming up as well because week fifteen, you're away I'm for skiing. going skiing. But I think I'll only miss one one show. I think we can do the the preview show, the two preview shows, but bookending it. Uh, I think I think that. And then week 17, I'm going to Portugal for six days uh, for New Year's. Yeah, to the bang. I know one thing that I can say to people. Uh, thanks, Ollie, for In- that. Incrível. That's incredible. Incrível. 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 View. Yeah, view. Like view cinemas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like view cinemas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incrível. Nice. Uh, if somebody um, offers, gives me a really nice drink, I'm going to go, hmm, increase you, and see how they react. Meu nome é Triple B. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I reckon I could translate that. The final thing to say about these games is I am absolutely 100% convinced. This is not in any way sourced. This is not in any way. There's no information on this. I am convinced it's going to be two Wembley, two Twickenham. Now, someone tagged... I've seen someone on Twitter, a, a person that generally tags us a lot on pictures, who said, four games at Wembley. That's not going to happen. No. No. Twickenham needs to do another two games by 2018, is that right? Yeah, so Twickenham has two more games over the next two years. Let, right, I'm going to break down the maths of this very quickly, and I'm sorry if this is slightly boring for the next 90 seconds, but let me explain to you why it's going to be two and two. Reason number one, Spurs are playing all of their games at Wembley next season. Now, Brent Council have a deal with Wembley that they can only have a certain number of 90,000 capacity games a year. So Spurs Premier League games, bar maybe a few of the bigger ones, United, Chelsea, that sort of thing, are going to be capped at 50,000 capacity. Wow. If you so have- that means closing the... The top the tier top will be tiers. closed. Oh, no, maybe not 50. I think it might be 60. It's the, but the top tier will be closed. That's, al- that's already confirmed, not confirmed, if you get what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not been spoken about outly, but people know about it. Um, if they give the NFL more than two games, which is their minimum amount they have to do at Wembley, every extra game that they do and do at full capacity eats into an occasion which they can give a game to Spurs or give a concert to Adele or give a, you know... it. it all kind of stuff. Oh, you've got the Challenge Cup final. You've got exactly. the FA Cup final, the semi-finals. You've so, got the League Cup final. So actually, for Wembley, it's the better. Charity Shield. <laughs> Even if they make lots of money, the at playoff the finals. Games. Right, I get it, mate. All right, um, <laughs> there's a whole lot of soccer there. <laughs> All right, Mark Saggers. <laughs> what is this amateur hour? Um, the, Get on with uh, it. <laughs> that's a really good impression, Ollie. Um, yeah. So uh, the. Firstly, you made this last a lot longer than you needed to, Ollie. Wembley would prefer it to only be two games for my money. I, that's what I believe. Twickenham needs to do two over the next two years. Uh, Twickenham, <laughs> Twickenham needs to do two over the next two years, but there's no specific split that has to be a game a year. And oh, f- come on! And from 2018, the new Spurs ground, the new White Hart Lane, the Tesco Club Card Stadium, whatever Get it's going to be. Get on with it. It's going to be... <laughs> is... It has to have two games. So, 
you get the Twickenham games out of the way. You have two games at Wembley. Then in 2018, you're contracted to two minimum at Wembley, two minimum at Spurs. And if you don't sell out four as quickly as you were hoping for this year, you're not absolutely tied into more than four. If they want to grow it slowly, if they decide they want to do five, I'm mm. sure that will still be there. There will still be options. I think it just makes the most sense from a flexibility point of view. There is actually a deal with Twickenham in place to do a two-game extension if it works. So they might go, all right, well, let's do one at Twickenham, two at Spurs, two at Wembley. Let's do three at Wembley, whatever in 2018, however they want to split it up. But yeah, two and two this year, I'm absolutely convinced of it. And if it's not that, I'd be stunned. I'm really interested to see how people feel about the Twickenham games, those that went there. At, oh, we had gridirons because we had so much about this before. No, but the thing is, <laughs> most of the people I've spoken to, most of them, I would say three out of every four, didn't like the experience. the The stadium was too cramped. Um, the walk, you know, all of the 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 getting to and from the station, the closing of the roads all of the all things i really enjoyed about all of the stuff that we really we didn't mind and the people that go there for rugby uh totally understand and uh they take that as as a given you're going to twickenham that's that's the the whole shtick that's the the spiel you know like i'm I'm really interested to know whether other people would go to to twickenham games yeah i would i loved it yeah exactly and I, I'm all for it. Uh, right, shall we stop talking about London games and move on and talk about week 14? Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, let's start off with Thursday night football, Ollie. The Kansas City Chiefs running out 21-13 winners over the Oakland Raiders, despite not scoring a single point in the second half, and despite the fact that the Oakland Raiders had... Not one, not two, but three turnovers which gave them the ball in the Chiefs' red zone and came away with a grand total of six points from those three short yardage visits. Uh, This was very much a game the Raiders could have and should have won, bar a very disappointing performance from Derek Carr. And bar uh, uh, Pinky or no Pinky, he came out afterwards and said he didn't want to make that an excuse. I think he looked uncomfortable throwing the ball. Sorry, are you Uh, calling him Pinky or no Pinky? Yeah, yeah. Pinky, Pinky or the brain. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't the brain last night, that's for sure. Very much more Pinky. Uh, you know, and he had some drops. That was an issue. Amari Cooper wide open on the drive, which would have taken down. And if they got the two-point conversion, leveled things up. Just seemed to stumble and lose his timing and miss what looked like a wide open opportunity. Um, but even more so, Kelechi Assembly going out of the lineup at the last minute. Yeah. They, actually, they actually ran the ball quite well last night, the Raiders, but they looked afraid to do it. The Chiefs played this kind of too high safety. It looked very similar to what the Bengals did. And they said, you've not got your big run stuff in guard. We're going to invite you to run on us because if you try and throw on us, we're going to defend the heck out of you. And they didn't. They, they didn't run on them. They should have done. They absolutely should have done. That's not to say the Chiefs didn't play well. Defensively, they were brilliant. I don't understand the calls from um, Jack Del Rio. He made some terrible play calls in the, uh, in the final drive and in the last t- quarter in general. The fade to your fourth wide receiver in the end zone against the guy with the most takeaways in the NFL through the last two years on third down with the game on the line. That's... Puerile stupidity. It's brainless, uh, isn't it? And throwing a second fade on this one. You've got two downs. You've only got six yards, I think it was, to go. Run on the first down. I know it's the obvious play. I know the run's going to be what people are looking for. But if you get three, four yards, then you put yourself in a much more manageable situation. And actually, with the way they were running, they probably would have got all six, to be quite honest with you. Um, real shame for the Chiefs that Derek Johnson went down. Uh, I, a player I'm a big fan of, but he is old. And Justin Houston was incredible last night. Okay, well, there's two questions that I want to ask you. I will go, the firstly, with uh, Kalechi Assembly, Chris Collingsworth, and we know that he um, has has invested and knows about statistically who the best players in the NFL are. He said that he is up there in the two or three or maybe even the best run-blocking guards in the NFL. Is he right? Yeah, pure talent. I like Marshall Yonder slightly more. Um, 
Mike Eupati at the Cardinals, I'm yeah. a big fan of, but he needs a good tackle outside of him to pass block. As we've seen when the left tackle's gone down there in Arizona and he's asked to do both jobs, it means he does both jobs poorly rather than one job well and one job poorly. Mm. Um, I think Assembly's right up there and there's a reason they spent the sort of money they did on him this offseason and gave him such a big contract. So, yeah, I think he's absolutely right. And whilst the, the point is, is that they still ran the ball well. Yeah, Latavius Murray went for I think just, just under four yard, uh, five yards of carries. So but that's still great. They didn't do it enough. Keep giving him the ball. Then why aren't you still giving him the ball? It was really frustrating from the Raiders. And I mean, I was the one three weeks ago. I said I think the Chiefs are going to win this division and actually have got a very good chance at the number one overall seed. Looking at how the Pats' defense has played recently, and without Rob Gronkowski and everything else. Um, uh, and that, my second, uh, my second question is, and you mentioned Justin Houston. He's been phenomenal since his second game back. The first game, I think he was just finding his feet. The second game back against the Broncos. And now, that was basically him against Von Miller. And Von Miller was incredible, but Justin Houston stood out in that matchup. This time around, it's him against uh, Khalil Mack. And Khalil Khalil Mack has been, again, amazing this season. But Justin Houston has stood out in that matchup. Well, How Khalil, good is Justin Houston at the moment? Khalil Mack, the reason I'm not buying into Derek Carr in the MVP conversation is because Derek Carr isn't the best player on his team. Khalil Mack is. Yes. Um, and Khalil Mack made an incredible strip sack last night and continued to harass. Like, they made some really good defensive adjustments in the second half, Oakland, and probably, that's why I'm saying they probably should have won it because there wasn't a point put up. I actually... I think Alex Smith had a really good game in the first half and, and needs to be in the conversation of, uh, you know, uh, top 10 quarterbacks based on performance this year. I'm not saying overall talent before people get a- angry at me and call him a game manager and everything else, but he's been right up there. And they stretched the field last night. The Chiefs had, they've had five plays where the ball has gone over 30 yards complete in the air this season. Only five. Three of them came last night against yeah, the Raiders yeah. in the first half. So, you know, they're showing that they're willing to do a bit more. I think Ty- having Jeremy Macklin back for them uh, gives them that extra wrinkle. I think Tyreek Hill looks like a real playmaker. He is an incredibly exciting talent. Despite muffing that first punt. Yeah. And but that's, the- that's shown Stones and also um, real faith from Andy Reid, or maybe he doesn't have an option, but real faith putting him back in. Uh, to continue taking fielding the punts and the extra and, and the uh, the kickoffs and look what happened with that with that uh, I think it was something seventy something yard return for a touchdown yeah, and, and, and De Anthony Thomas is a perfectly um, serviceable kick returner yeah so there, uh, there's nothing wrong with having him back there and he returned kicks very well but they put um, Hill back for the punts but. To come, to, back, Houston, to come back yeah. to the sorry to come back to the Chiefs defense it, I mean it's not just. What you've got there is you've got Houston looking incredible and fresh. And is it a situation where him coming off the injury and being like a week one player in week nine, ten, is that going to actually help them longer term? And it might well do because Eric Berry was again brilliant last night. I know he didn't get any of the um, I know he didn't get any of the interceptions that he got the week before. And in fact, this the, I think it's the first time in Chiefs history they've lost the turnover differential by three and still won a game. Because they didn't have a single turnover last night. That's the team who do it the most in the league. Um, but their coverage is so good. Their secondary is so yeah. good that it gives that extra second, second and a half. And if you give Justin Houston an extra second, a second and a half to bend the edge, he's going to do it and he's going to get to your quarterback. Yeah. Um, and he had a few real highlight plays last night. The final thing to mention, because I feel like I've been talking a lot about this game, uh, Travis Kelsey joined a very elite group of tight ends. It's only he, Tony Gonzalez in his Chiefs days, and Jimmy Graham, the only tight ends in NFL history to post four consecutive 100-yard receiving games. And with the way he's playing right now, he might be the first ever to do five in a row next week. He looks great. He looks re- When he runs, he looks lean. He looks like a, a proper runner. I'm loving Travis Kelsey at the moment. I'm absolutely loving him. Um, Chiefs remaining games... Titans at home, that's next week. I mean, it's a six o'clock kickoff at the moment. That's one game I'd love to watch. Chiefs Titans, and 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 you don't often say that about the Titans. What's amazing is all three of these teams at the top of the AFC West have got such tight games. Actually, the Chiefs winning last night means that 
You know, the Broncos have to play both the Chiefs and the Raiders still. Yep. Everyone still has to play the Titans who are playing really well. Although, God bless the Titans, having the best season they've had in six, seven, eight years. And yeah. they've got to go up against the entire AFC West in the space of three or four who, weeks. Who are all undefeated, who are uh, all above 500, yeah. Yeah, with the top three, certainly, they've all got to go up against. You know, none of these four teams has an easy run in. They all play each other. You know, there is a completely valid situation where the Broncos still win the AFC West. Um, yeah. what, it, what it does do for me, uh, and I, I forgot I was going to have this rant, and I just remembered it now. Uh, it brings me back to past conversations we've had, Ollie, when we've discussed what should happen to a division when they have a team with a losing record. Now, I understand that you have to give a playoff place to every division, otherwise divisions are completely pointless. But can we finally accept that the seeding situation is farcical? If the Raiders win every game left, but the Chiefs win every game left, and the Raiders finish 13-3, and and they have to go on the road to either the Houston Texans or the Indianapolis Colts, sat at 500, rather than have them come to their house ludicrous utterly ridiculous they should start making it yes you get your playoff place but the seeding is based on record alone mate i can't argue with that i don't want to argue with that i agree thanks, with you thanks babes i appreciate why that. would i argue with that oh nikki shorey just followed the Talksport 2 account mate th- this thing i no one wants to know that oh yeah but i care so uh, <laughs> well, I, well, I care and i have a microphone <laughs> what reading legend nikki shorey yeah no 20, 25 grand from Leighton Orient sold him to Villa for 4 million. Who cares? It's a good good profit. I mean... <laughs> Bet the oh, other, he's gone. The other best part of last night was... Uh, did you see the Andy Reid letter? No. Oh, oh, I did see it, yeah. This was amazing. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs Football Club from the desk of Andy Reid. And it just had the blanks in there. Dear blank, please excuse blank for a half day of work on Thursday, the 8th of December. Listen, I'm a big fan of hard work and going the extra mile. But we're playing the Raiders on Thursday night football. And we need the Chiefs kingdom ready to welcome the Raiders to the loudest stadium in the world. How about those Chiefs signed Andy Reid? Amazing. Well, you know, this is not the first time it's been done by a a professional sports team. Oh, I didn't know that. That's slightly disappointing. But I'm I'm just saying, if I was a um, if I was a a local businessman in the Kansas area, I would give somebody a half day for that. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. It was um, it was some football team. I've forgotten what it was. But it's not the first time. That's why I wasn't that uh, amazed by it. By uh, as you were. So sorry, guys. You've devastated me. Yeah. You've made me ever so sad. Sorry. Um, That's what you so- get for bringing Nikki Shorey into the podcast. <laughs> How long have we been going for? Because it feels like we've got a very long time already on two topics. Uh, yeah, half an hour. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Wow. We, we had a lot of faffing beforehand where I told you about the last train and all of that. So yeah. uh, we've been going about 25 minutes. Cool. Right. We're going to rattle through the weekend's game. Should we go to Twitter and let's do all of the Twitter? Yeah, let's do and then, all uh, of that Twitter. And then what we'll do, we'll go through the games. Let's just pick out two or three each that we really like yeah. this weekend. Talk about them and then rattle through our picks for the rest of them, yeah? Yes. Because nobody wants to hear us talk about Jets at 49ers for more than 10 seconds. I think we've talked about it even uh, too much already. Who are you taking? 49ers. No, I'm taking the Jets. So you're, you're an idiot. I just desperately want the 49ers to lose every game left to get a higher pick. You're the worst I, person ever. I think, based on the way they played in the snow last week, based on the play calling, I think they might be tanking. Uh, we've talked about this game too much, but mm-hmm. you may be right. <laughs> we have. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So, first thing to say, right? And, and actually, this is brought up. So the first tweet we got when we put a tweet out was from Neil Dutton. Surprise, surprise. And we'll have fancy darlings at the end. Remind me to do that and Ooh. put a time code for it. Mm. Fancy darlings. Fancy darlings. Um, right. If mozzarella is not readily available, should cheddar be used when making tacos? I'll be honest, I'm dead against it. Who's putting mozzarella in a taco? Mozzarella is one of the blandest cheeses you can get. Mozzarella is great on a lasagna as a secondary cheese. It's good on a pizza. Pizza, but again, as a secondary cheese. It's good. Something with a bit more oomph there, and then the mozzarella is there just to give you some stringiness. Some, it's it's got a great texture when it's been cooked. I'll tell you what. Also, it's good on those uh, anti-pasty 
starter starters you get in say a pizza express or something a buffalo a buffalo mozzarella and some sun-dried tomatoes Be- can't go wrong beautiful now can't you're talking wrong. my language yeah mozzarella on a taco yeah, you're you... mental Dutton. plus cheddar if it's really strong cheddar great in a taco yeah absolutely but Dutton, you've basically you've embarrassed yourself there y- you're a disgrace yeah you're an utter disgrace. But what this led to was Alex Everson then tweeted us asking, have you ever tried PB&J sandwiches? Thoughts. First of all, your thought. Uh, what? Have you ever tried a PB&J sandwich? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah. I don't like peanut butter. In which case, well, I have and I loved them, but I haven't had one for like 20 years, so I don't know if I still would. Maybe I'll have one tonight. Uh, it would have to be white bread, right? <laughs> uh, why? Because you bread racist. Well, oh, come on, mate. I don't like wholemeal bread. Whoa! Now we're talking. Um, right, the point, we're coming to the crux of the point here. He said, follow-up question, why are so many questions people ask you about food-related topics? We like to food. Which, to which Adam Foxcroft wrote, it's a topic where we know we'll hear expert analysis. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, 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 this hurt me inside. More than it probably should have Well, how do you know they're not talking about my expert analysis? You have been on a reputable food channel discussing tacos in the streets. (laughs) Yes, yes, I have. (laughs) As we've had photos tweeted into us, (laughs) wearing a suit jacket and a backpack. Yeah, indeed. Uh, The classiest of all the hobos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm that guy. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, basically... Uh, because you'll get expert analysis. Uh, and then they follow, then a bunch more food questions came in. Fusilli or penne? It's a ridiculous question. Um, Fusilli? Fusilli. Is it Fusilli? Fusilli. I don't know. You've, now you've confused me. Penne. Fusilli. I like consignegli, which is the shell one. Okay, good. Um, I'm not talking about favourite pastas. This I is like the bow ones this. as well. This is like late night local BBC radio, <laughs> yeah, really. and I, I'm hating it. It really is. Moving on. Uh... Jake Viney, did you watch the finale of Westworld? Whoa! Roll on season two. No, no, no. And also, I'm still, I haven't watched anything since last podcast, or the last podcast we spoke about it. I'm still three episodes in. I'm savouring it and trying to stay away from any spoilers. Do you know, I'm I'm going to... Spoiler alert, they're all dead. Uh, What? (laughs) So I was working... They they were in purgatory the whole time. I was working last week on talk radio. I went to do the breakfast show. And the newsreader there, Rachel, decides not to let anyone know that she gives away The Apprentice, what happened the night before on The Apprentice. Whoa, that's not on. So she completely ruined it for me. I haven't even watched that episode where Sofiane and uh, the woman got... I don't know what the woman's name, forgot her name. It was they, a great episode. Uh, but I can't watch it because you know what's going to happen. I would just watch the boardroom, just just because it's so brutal. Last night's was good as well. I deleted it. I haven't watched uh, last night's. So I will watch it tomorrow. I haven't... Uh, they all die. Um... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> they were in purgatory the whole time. Uh, it was all a dream. What other famous TV twists are there? Uh, anyway, there, was, there were some football tweets. A bunch of people sent us some bold predictions. Tom Knight thinks Bryce Petty will throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns at the 49ers. <laughs> Again, we, we have spoken the most about uh, two games in Week 14. Uh, they're the Chiefs and the Raiders, and unbelievably, the <laughs> Jets and the 49ers. And we've gone half an hour into this po- Guys, I'm really sorry. This is a, a an apology on behalf of Gridiron, Gridiron Magazine, and Touchdown Trips, and on behalf of Will Gavin, because he won't apologise for it. I am sorry. Um, uh, Jamie Foyle sends us a slightly bold prediction. He says, Raiders, Cowboys, Super Bowl, Raiders to win it. As long as the Cowboys aren't there, because then I'll have to buy a Cowboys jersey. Although I need to send Cole Beasley a little cheeky text message, seeing if he'll make, do us a signed one that I can then wear and we can then give away or auction or something for charity. Um, the, the, two things. I liked what you just said then. About, but then I said the word cheeky. You did. Don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you know me too well. <laughs> um, and then Gary Taylor says Titans to beat the Broncos on Sunday. Should we start with that game? I mean, or... it's a great game. I'm loving that game. And if I go to my gridiron-magazine.com slash result hyphen... No, yeah, result hyphen picker slash picker hyphen fixtures... <laughs> 
It's the predictor game, everybody. I've taken the Titans. Um, oh, that's that is interesting. Now, I uh, my thing is I've taken the Broncos, but the reason I think this game could be interesting is that the Broncos defense has actually struggled against pass first teams this year, like teams that pass on first down teams that do interesting things in the passing game. And it's what the Titans do so well. They've suddenly got a deep threat. Marcus Mariota is finding receivers beyond the 20 yard mark, which is brilliant, but they do all these multi tight end set multi back personnels, all these kind of base four, three packages. And, the Broncos have actually struggled in those situations this year. My only thinking is if Trevor Simeon's back and that Titan secondary is as bad as it's been the last four or five weeks, I think the Broncos could win a scrappy one bizarrely on offense. Has the Titan secondary been bad for four or five weeks? I've had the feeling that the Titans defense has really stepped up. It's, it's up I there think- with a sneaky defense like... The Bucks, for instance, who've had a really good defense. Uh, what I'm, the things that I'm looking at here are: Demarco Murray had been struggling with a toe injury. The bye would have helped that. The bye will have also helped scheming for both Simeon and Paxton Lynch. Although not much scheming is needed for Paxton Lynch. I really, as you said, the the usage of Delaney Walker. Uh, and and um, uh, Fasano and Rashad Matthews, those big receivers. Okay, two of them are tight ends. I'm, no, I'm no, but big body I'm, guys. Who catch yeah, the ball. big That's body fine. guys. The Titans are at home as well. I but think I, this is a really good. interesting game. Bryce McCain hasn't been good. Jason McCourty hasn't been good. They got rid of Parrish Cox. Uh, they've, they've struggled in the... I'm really disappointed they've struggled in safety because I really liked Denaris Cersei last year. Um, I, I do think their secondary struggled, but I do like their front seven. I think they get a good pass rush from Brian Arakpo. I still think Jarrell Casey is, is one of the best tackles in the league on the defensive uh, perspective. So... I do like the front seven. If they can get some pressure on Trevor Simeon, I'm, I'm saying this is much more of a coin flip than I ever imagined it could have been maybe six, eight weeks ago, but I'm taking the Broncos. I if, think. if you go back the last five weeks, they're three and two. They gave up 35 points to the Chargers and just 25 points in defeats at the Colts. They've beaten at home the Jags. No great shakes. They beat a very bad Packers team but put 47 points on them. Only gave up 25 points. They beaten. They went to the Bears and only conceded 21 points. That that that, that, that doesn't tell make, me a bad defense. I'm going to make my you've, bold prediction I'm not today. having it, mate. Not Here's having my, it. My bold I think, prediction. Do you know what? Your, your triple B-ism and this whole having the breaking news before everybody else, that's made you complacent and do you think you're believing your own hype? You're my bang out of order. For this game. My you're bold you're out of order. My bold prediction for this game is Emmanuel Sanders goes for over 100 yards and a score. How's that a bold prediction? Up against Jason Moore, because he's been dreadful recently. How's that a bold prediction? he's barely been in the game. That's not a bold uh, prediction. Oh, gonna, come on, come on. Have... Why don't you say 150? That's a bold prediction. All right, 150. Go on, then. Say it. 150 and a score. You said it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't think I would, did you? No, did I, you? I, I really um, didn't. The, the next game, which really uh, jumps squawks off the page, is that what we're going with? Ah! Uh, and it does squawk off the page because it's this revenge game. It's this two teams who have met each other in crucial fixtures so many times in recent years, whether it's the fail Mary, whether it's the absolutely ludicrous breakdown in the championship game <laughs> for the Packers, whether it, it these, these it was two last, teams. last season where we put lots of points on them and beat them at Lambeau Field. Yeah, it's the Seahawks and the Packers, baby. I'm loving this game. Now, the first thing we need to talk about here, because mentally we forgot to talk about this last week. We were all overexcited about breaking news and everything else. We haven't talked about the fact that Earl Thomas is out for the year. Yeah, uh, that's huge, actually. Bro- broken tibia, tweeting about uh, retiring. I think that's all a bit of a, of a nonsense. But I'm really torn on this injury because... The thing for me is I think Earl Thomas is absolutely what makes their cover three system tick. He is so commanding in the middle of the field. And I think Cam Chancellor is so good against the run, but now is going to be asked to do so much more in coverage that 
that will then take out an element of their quality against the run. My big thought here isn't so much about the Packers this weekend. It's about the Cowboys in the playoffs when they inevitably meet in that championship game. Uh, and at, it probably in Dallas. And previously I was so excited about them being able to stop Zeke Elliott. And I don't think... I don't... Uh, they're going to have to pull something out from somewhere to do it. However, having said that, Michael Bennett back. Maybe the best defensive end in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joe. You know I'm going to say it. Maybe the best defensive end in the league. Certainly in that four-three system. Um, there's so much talent on that defense that if one defense can deal with a player of the quality of Earl Thomas going down, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, brilliant in coverage, can stop the run. Cliff Avril and Michael Bennett, so underrated as bookend pass rushers. When we talk about the best bookends in the league. Um, actually, Deshaun Shedd quietly having a very, very good year. Richard yeah. Sherman is Richard Sherman. Look, I, I'm really, really torn of, over how much it's going to affect them. But the bigger thing for the Packers game this weekend is... Russell Wilson said he's hoping for a downpour of snow. Now, obviously, Russell Wilson's a man who knows how to play in the snow. He's uh, at college. Um, he, he knows the state very well for obvious reasons. But... I saw something in the Packers last week where we got so excited with the Packers two weeks ago when they, uh, I think, was it the Eagles two weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. When, so, when suddenly they got their timing back and they were on rhythm and they looked really exciting again. And then last week that all fell apart against the Texans. But I think it fell apart because of the snow. And actually for all the things we've slated Aaron Rodgers for this year, being a guy who just refused to play with any timing whatsoever – what happened against the Texans was all that time spent improvising all came home to roost. And he managed to make some ludicrous plays. And the defense were falling all over the place. And they couldn't get to him when he was flushed out of the pocket. And I just feel like with Earl Thomas down and with a barrage of snow expected, I think the worst of these two teams, which is the Packers, I'm sorry, are going to come away with a win. Wow. I mean, I don't really understand any of that logic. I mean, I always, I always pick the Packers. I always do. Uh, this is a huge game for the franchise. It's a massive game for Thompson and for McCarthy. It's a huge game for a load of people. That I think the team that wins is the. Uh, okay, I think the Packers win if their defense turns up. We know the Seattle Seahawks defense is what it is. The Packers defense has been pretty good for the last two games okay they were up against <laughs> comparatively good with where they were yeah but they're up against Carson Wentz who whose mechanics looks like they're uh, breaking down Bortles-esque before our very own eyes and oh, that's harsh and uh, Brock Osweiler who is the worst quarterback in the league bar none um so you can't really com- harsh words Ollie Hunter well tell me who, who's worse uh I mean, you're probably right, but I'm just saying... <laughs> there we they're, go. They're, they're harsh words. They're probably right words, but that doesn't mean that they feel any less mean when you say them like this. When we're in Houston, we're definitely going to meet Brock, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it, we know it's going to happen. Although, we were in the Bay last and year, then, and, and we then, didn't meet uh, Colin Kaepernick. So. And then in classic Hunter fashion, you're going to be like, Brocky, baby! How's it going? Like It's Brock o'clock, baby! <laughs> yeah. uh, what's interesting, actually, is the running back situation. We saw a little bit more of Christine Michael last week. He'd have had an extra week to have learnt the Green Bay offense. Thomas Rawls on the other side had a big game against the, against the Panthers. I think that also could be where it's decided who gets that ground game going as well. So I'm really looking forward to this game. I've gone the Packers. It's a homer pick, but I'm really worried about it. I've taken the Packers. Yeah, but you've I'm, taken them because you think they're the worst team if it snows. I mean, I know. I think they're. I think they're the worst of these two teams from a talent perspective. So what I'm saying, I'm saying that the worst of these two teams is the Packers. The Seahawks. If you met on a neutral field and played a five game series, the Seahawks would probably beat you four one right now, sure. based on the way your defense is playing, based on the fact that you've not quite found that rhythm on offense. But in the snow. I fancy. I just think that's going to nullify their pass rush. I think you've got the better pure run defense. I, I, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm taking the Packers and Christian Michael to have a little bit of a breakout this week. I liked what we saw in tiny little fits and starts last week. One or two really good runs. Yeah, I'm all in. All right, Packers, mate. baby. Thanks, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, anytime, mate. Anytime. Uh, 
Let's see what else do we need to talk about from this weekend. I'm just looking. Well, at I'll tell screen. you. I'll tell there's you. A, one. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good prime time games, aren't there? Yeah, Ollie, you pick a game. Well, and I kind of hate myself for picking this game. I hate myself for a lot of reasons. Um, oh, buddy, don't but, say that. Uh, I hate myself for picking this game. It's pretty much a decider in the division. The in the <laughs> the division dif- of <laughs> I know where this is going. Elect. It's yeah. the Texans at the Colts. Now. You've got a team like the Texans who had a terrible, snowy experience in Lambeau. Brock Osweiler's not doing anything. They're missing their defensive leader, J.J. Watt, against the Colts who... They've, they're back. I think Dante Moncrief has allowed Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton and Dwayne Allen and Jack Doyle and all of those guys, Frank Gore, Robert Turbin, all of those guys, it's allowed a bit more time and space because defences are now thinking about Dante Moncrief and T.Y. Hilton and Et al., all of those other guys I've I've mentioned. And I think that has allowed the Colts' offence to become a bit more... uh, a bit more on point. The ergo, I mean, the Jets' defense was horrendous last week, but I think that the Colts are, are, start, are starting to find a bit of form, and it's probably the worst time for a not very good Texans side to go on the road to Indianapolis to play them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The Colts have won three of their last four. Houston have gone from six and three to six and six. Uh, they're still, and do you know what is bizarre is of those three games they've lost, two of them featured probably Brock Osweiler's best game with the team. That's really saying something negative, isn't it? Um, I think T.Y. Hilton's due a massive day. I, do you remember when the Texans' defense were the best defense in football for about six or seven weeks last year? Yeah. Uh, that's not happening right now, is it? Um, the only area in which I think the Colts need to get a bit more balance, um, and I, t- I think Frank Gore is still having an excellent season considering he's, what, like 82 now. But just a bit more balance to the offense is the only thing I think we really need from the Colts. Otherwise, their defense has been better week on week. Um, it was interesting to see uh, the news that Dequel Jackson is going to be out injured and this uh, not injured suspended he's out for now for four games for PID violations which means in some ways you're like ah their best inside linebacker is going to be back for the playoffs which they're inevitably going to now but there's a really weird mix of guys in that internal area Uh, a bunch of rookies Luke Rhodes who Antonio Morrison who's looked really bad Uh, Edwin Jackson Dion King, you know, a, a real bunch of no-name guys in there. And so the one thing the Texans really should look to do and do early in this is establish the run and hit them hard in the mouth. And then they have a chance. But I'm with you. I think the, the fortune is favouring the Colts this weekend. Lamar Miller left the game against the Packers last week. I'm not sure whether he returned. So there was a lot of Alfred Blue. Now, I like Alfred Blue as much as the next guy, but he's no Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller, as you said, needs to get that run game going early, and that way keep the uh, Texas uh, the Colts defense on the field as long as they can. Tire them out. They don't have the talent. That's the only way that I could see the Texans winning this. I, however, am going the Colts. Let's talk about our primetime games this week. You going the Colts as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were Colts, you? absolutely, 100%. Thanks. I thought Thanks. I'd already said that. You, My I bad. Don't know. I wasn't listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Giants, Dallas going to New York. Uh, the only team to have got a win off the, off the Cowboys this year, the Giants. And there are elements of New York's game that we can be positive about. I think Janoris Jenkins has been... A, the, one of the best free agent signings, if not the hands-down best free agent signing in the league this year. Uh, Eli Apple is getting better and better week on week, the, the rookie. Um, and London Collins, as he's now been redubbed after his two picks in the nation's capital over here, uh, he's been brilliant. But I just... Oh, with Jason Pierre-Paul down and their complete inability to get to the quarterback... Well, no, 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 no. Olivier Vernon has actually got to the quarterback, I believe, in the two of his last two games. So they do, he is starting to come into his own. And without JPP, more of that rests on him. If he steps up, if he does have a big game, that's what we could see. 
However, he's going up against the best O-line in the league. So Yeah, and, and the thing is, actually, with Snacks Harrison and with Olivia Vernon, who was more de- run defender and edge setter in the early part of the season than he was actually a pure pass rusher, actually, I would have really liked this matchup with JPP, a fully fit JPP in there. I'd have been like, ooh, the Giants could cause them some problems. I do feel like that one loss on the line against the best O-line, the best running back, yada, 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 yada. I just think it's set up for Zeke and Dak to take this game over. Short yardage, a lot of Cole Beasley because they won't want to test those corners deep. A lot of Zeke Elliott runs and the Cowboys to grind out another win. I'll tell you what, mate. <laughs> uh, I, Zeke and Dak. Come on, take, take the Giants. Zeke and Dak have proved that they can do it under the lights, on the big stage, with the TV cameras... However, the Giants have beaten them, and I think the Giants know how to beat them. This is a great rivalry. We're back in New York. I'm taking the Giants. I think the Giants beat the Cowboys. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and do you know what? And I don't that- think that's ridiculous. No, I don't think it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, divisional rivalry, everything else. And Dak Prescott, do you know what's really noticed, been noticeable uh, watching that Dallas team in recent weeks? Um, I, I, I kind of mentioned this a few times in, in the last four or five weeks that they've been relying on big plays and stout defense to win games rather than the consistent offense, which really made their team look good weeks, say two through eight. And Dak Prescott is not seeing the field very well. I've seen him missing, not missing throws, but missing wide open guys yeah, um... on almost every single series recently. And, one that really springs to mind is the first series after the break at uh, the Thanksgiving game where Des Bryant was wide open, complete, wide completely open. didn't see him. I, there's two things. Dak Prescott is due a bad game. He hasn't had one yet. He's due one. Secondly, that defense, which has been playing way above its talent level, is due a come down, and who could that be against on the road against uh, against um, Sterling Shepard, against Odell Beckham the third, against Rashad Jennings? I don't think Sean Lee can get those guys levels raised again week in week out. Giants win. Wow, there are three more games I want to talk about in a tiny bit more depth, and then we'll just rattle through the rest. Um, uh, we, I mean, are we going to, uh, it turns out we're going to do this two-pod idea next week. So we should mention the Ravens-Patriots uh, uh, firstly, because it's the Monday night football game, and we all know the history of this game. We know the number of times they've played each other in the playoffs. We know they've played each other in championship games, and they've exchanged championship wins on their way to, to Super Bowl victories and, and everything else. Um, we know Steve Smith loves the bad blood with the Patriots. Ah. Uh, it's an interesting matchup to me because what you've got with the Patriots offense is with no Gronkowski and with a lack of, I've been talking a lot about timing and rhythm this week, but a bit of a lack of rhythm from Brady over the last couple of weeks without him there. They've not been bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just been not up to the usual high Patriot standards. I just think, the Ravens' line is probably one of the best in the leagues. Their secondary is playing brilliantly. I, it feels like that side of the ball, that battle, if Ravens are going to come away with a win, I really think they could. They, they, the, the linebackers and the safeties in that kind of underneath zone, that area that the Patriots love to throw to, that kind of short yardage, pick up the yards after catch, bring uh, running backs out of the backfield, bring tight ends in, get mismatches, the Ravens aren't a team you can mismatch particularly. And that's where, if they're going to win, they're going to win. And I still think that the Patriots aren't looking that great on defense. Uh, Carl Van Noy, actually, from the Lions, has been really good in coverage. But I still got to take the Patriots, man. I, I can't. Just overall strength of, of squad. I, I've got to take them. I've, I'm taking the Ravens. Whoa, look, this is... Ollie Hunter chucking it all in the ring this week. I am loving this. I'm taking the Ravens, and this is why. Like Dak Prescott, Prescott, <laughs> Dak Brisket. No idea. No like idea. Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, as you said, his 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 timing and his rhythm hasn't been quite right the last couple of weeks. You are right about that. He is also due a bad game. 
things as soon as things people think things are going great for the patriots something and this is a recent over the last two three years this is a recent thing something happens the wheels slightly fall off i don't know whether belichick drops the ball or other teams play up the ravens patriots is a massive rivalry I'm loving the Ravens' defense at the moment. At the moment, you've got C.J. Mosley and Terrell Suggs. Those two guys in the middle there are dictating everything. And like you said, matchups on them don't really work because they are so good. Both of them, what they do. I'm going the Ravens in this. I love you, Ollie. There, there's like four or five other really good games to talk about. I think Saints Tampa Bay could be a really good game. I think Steelers Bills is quietly a really good game. Yeah, with yeah. Bills, you know, they have to win else they're they're gone from the playoffs. Steelers can go top of like be established top of the AFC North. The one I really want to very quickly mention though is Cardinals Dolphins because I know this might not be the sexiest game on paper. The Dolphins coming off that horrible loss to the Ravens. The Cardinals sitting at five six and one. But the Cardinals have been really good the last four weeks. And there's a really intriguing matchup in this game between the interior of the Dolphins line, which is so dominant and so powerful, and the interior of the Cardinals line, which is so terrible. And then you compare it with the other side of the field where they're going to have all their linemen back, the Dolphins now, against that Cardinals fierce pass rush. I just think you've got two really exciting, intriguing matchups in those specific areas. And I, it's one that I'm really going to pay a lot of attention to at six o'clock on Monday because there's part of me that thinks I, Sunday. I, I on Sunday, sorry, I think the, the Cardinals are going to go in and get the job done. I think they're going to win as well. I think there's more talent across their roster, but... You highlighting the deficiency interior interior on uh, the O line with how strong the Miami D line is. That's that's worrying me right now. Yeah, exactly. This is my point. That's, yeah, that I that think... matchup alone makes me think that this game is going to be a lot tighter than we thought, um, and it's going to make life really hard for David Johnson. Uh, and, and yeah, it just makes it adds that little bit of intrigue that makes this game exciting to. And me. if there's a lot of pass rush through the middle, we've seen, especially this year, Carson Palmer being a bit like Bambi in headlights and getting a bit freaked out. He's getting older. That could they could if they get to him early, even dare I say, a, a rough in the passer on the first series just to to shake him up a bit. That will help them out in the long run uh, later on in the game. Interesting. Hashtag bold prediction there. Russ, if you can... I th- Actually, I, I was really impressed with the Cardinals' win over Washington last week. That's the thing, like, really impressed with it. And I felt like if that come five weeks earlier, I'd be going, oh, the Cardinals' dark horse, but I just think they're too far back in the NFC at this point. Yeah, I agree. Right, let's rattle through the rest of the games. Um, starting off with a game that five weeks ago would have looked like an absolute thriller. Uh, Washington coming off the back of that loss to the Cardinals. Eagles on a terrible vein of form. Uh, it's being played in Philadelphia. They're only two-point favourites, the Eagles here, which I think is incredibly harsh on Washington. Um, I'd be... Uh, basically, they've got Trent Williams back uh, at left tackle, Washington. Um, absolute top-shelf star throw him back in, move the guy who's been playing in his place, Tiny Shiki, uh, who's been brilliant at left tackle in recent weeks, inside to guard. Washington suddenly looked much, much stronger on the offensive line. I think they've got a chance to hit the playoffs. Philadelphia, see you next season, guys. Philadelphia's defence, especially that secondary, is awful. And when you've got Jameson Crowder, Pierre Garçon, um, you've got the two tight ends in Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, and then Rob Kelly and his his excellent form running uh, north south. I can't see anything but actually quite a big Washington victory. Uh, Steelers going in and playing at the Bills and that Lader- ridiculous Ladarius Green couple of games uh, recently playing in the seams. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's looked really good the last two weeks. Buffalo very good defense this season sitting at six and six i think i think we said before the season a 500 year with all the problems they've had would actually be good for the bills i think that's whereabouts they are but i expect the steelers to get the business done this week yeah but how many how many times have we said that about the steelers this year and they've gone and f***ed up so sorry time code that yeah uh, the thing is i think a lot of people expected the steelers and the giants game to be a bit close i mean it was close but it's the the Steelers never really looked in doubt. And I think they're starting to hit a bit of form just at the right time. 
I think this could be quite comfortable for the Steelers. Uh, so I'm going Steelers win. Right, this next run of games, we literally only need to mention in passing. Vikes at Jags. Uh, Vikings, the only thing to mention, Harrison Smith probably done for the year. Has a team had this much bad luck with injuries in recent season? Think of last year's Ravens, think of this year's Chargers. But it has been horrendous for them. However, this, isn't, this doesn't look to me like the game where the Jaguars suddenly get healthy. I'm taking the Vikings. Yeah, I've gone Vikings as well. Uh, despite how bad I think uh, Sam Bradford has been. Uh, that's a conversation for another time. And Harrison well. Smith's out as well for the Vikings. So I it's think slightly didn't even listen to me. That's a big, uh, a big loss. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, time coding. <laughs> Chargers at the Panthers. This game at this point in the season, looking at the start of the year, I will have looked at this and gone, "Oh, that looks like a tasty Week 14 matchup." Uh, it's now literally means nothing. Means nothing. Panthers will win despite uh, injuries on their defense. I think they've got a point to prove. That's the only reason why I think they'll win. I'm going to take a Chargers win just because. Um, Just to go against you. Uh, Bengals at Browns. Any chance the Browns get their first win of the year? Of their remaining games, this is their biggest chance at home against the Bengals. But no, I think the Bengals are a better side, especially on defense. So Bengals win. Uh, Fine. What about you? What do you say? <laughs> I, th- I think that's about all we can say about it. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think the Browns go 0-16 this year. I don't think that's going to change uh, at all. I still would rather have their roster than the 49ers, though. Um, Bears at Lions. Uh, there's, there's a conversation to be had about Matt Stafford that we kind of started having earlier in the week that we should roll on at some point. But uh, this looks as one-sided as any games this year. Big Lions victory. However, it would be really Lionsy if they lions it up and lose to the Bears. Uh, Falcons at Rams, uh, the game that the Falcons get healthy again. Yeah, but that Rams defence, that front seven-ish. No, not good recently. Bad team, bad football team. Bad team, bad team. Yeah, okay, I'm going Falcons. I refuse to discuss them any more than that. Just terrible, bad football team. You should be ashamed Um, of yourselves with the Jeff Fisher contract extension debacle they've they they have they're they're what four and eight and they've won and they were three and one at one point and the only game they've won in that stretch was that weird nine six win over the jets bad football team yeah yeah um and is that it no that can't be it surely we've got more games than that to still talk about oh saints bucks which if you want to talk about in a little more depth we can do because i think this is a really good game of football i mean we are running long but so, we are running very long again. I would say Bucks win because it's not that far for Drew Reese to travel, but we know he doesn't travel that well anymore. Um, and Mike Evans is, is playing lights out football at the moment, and the New Orleans Saints secondary isn't very good. So Bucks win for me. Bucks have been doing something really interesting in the last couple of weeks, which is using the the running backs. As as kind of chip blockers, as coverage guys, uh, as not coverage guys, as um, uh, protection guys, uh, to give Jameis Winston just that little bit more time. And when you've got that little bit more time, and you've got guys like Mike Evans, big old bodied Mike Evans, to get down the field and get a one on one matchup. That can't be bad. And then they're going up against a pass rush, which you probably don't need to chip block against. So yeah, I think the Bucks are getting really good at the right time. And I'm still really angry at myself for flaking on taking them for the playoffs in our preseason pod. I took them. Uh, Michael Thomas is out for the Saints as well. And I like the Bucks' defense over the last um, five or six weeks. So, yeah, Bucks win for me. Getting plays in the big moments. Yep. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, great work. Yeah, we, uh, we covered lots of topics. And there's only one topic to finish off with. So before I do that, I should say we're going to get Ben on next week from Touchdown Trips to talk a bit uh, about the... We're going to talk the London games. We're going to talk about the Ravens because they are going to be coming over. I believe that. Uh, so but go on and check them, touchdowntrips.com. Search them out on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, they're getting you in the game and they are looking to put together some exciting end-of-year packages if you've decided to go on a whim, get yourself a personal Christmas present, anything like that then they are the people to speak to. So touchdowntrips.com for them. Uh, Ollie, any final thoughts? No, no final thoughts. Well, get in touch with us at Gridon on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Leave us reviews and all that jazz. We love it when you do. Uh, Otherwise, thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show, and let's finish things off with a little touch.
Who fantasy darlings? <laughs> It seems I was foolish to doubt the pure, unadulterated, offensive force that is Andy Dalton last week, as he responded to my doubts by kindly tearing the Eagles' defence a brand new arsehole. His reward for these deeds is elevation to my must-start list. The matchup couldn't be better, as the Bengals lock horns with state rivals, the Browns. The Red Rifle has thrown multiple touchdown passes in his last three games against the Browns, and with Jeremy Hill seemingly unable to run a bath effectively, despite copious opportunity, he has 54 rushing yards on 35 attempts in his last two games, the Bengals may keep the ball in Dalton's hands in this one. Marcus Mariota has thrown multiple touchdowns in eight consecutive games, a Titans-slash-Oilers franchise record, and has been one of the hottest fantasy darling quarterbacks around for the last few months. It's not likely this form will continue on Sunday, however, as the Titans take on the Denver Broncos. Wade Phillips' unit have allowed just 10 passing scores in 2016, with 12 interceptions. Of course, we're assuming that, with two weeks to prepare, offensive mastermind Mike Malarkey hasn't come up with a rock-solid game plan in which Mariota is able to beat the Broncos. And my guess is that we assume correctly. One of the safest things to bet on in fancy football this season has become Jamison Crowder. The Redskins receiver has 75 receiving yards or a touchdown in his last seven games, and with Jordan Reed likely to be out or at best hobbled, Crowder is the best high-volume bet in an enticing matchup. No team in the league has allowed more 20-yard pass plays this season than the Eagles, and with the Birds' cornerbacks about effective as a, about effective a barrier as Prince Herbert's guards from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Crowder should be inked into lineups everywhere. Only the Baltimore Ravens have done a better job destroying fantasy running backs this season than the Arizona Cardinals. Ironically, it was against the Ravens last week that London-born Jay Ajayi laid an egg, and now he gets to face the Cardinals. C'est la vie. The Cards have allowed just 3.3 yards per carry to running backs this season. After 529 yards in three games between Week 6 and 9, London-born Jay Ajayi has just 262 in his last four. He's still going to be the workhorse back, and this volume opportunity should keep him involved, but he's not going to be running all over this defence for big gains. One of the big beneficiaries of the injury to Rob Gronkowski has been rookie wide receiver Malcolm Mitchell. Despite having a name that makes him sound like an accounts manager in his mid-40s, Mitchell has stepped up of late in a Patriots offence that is now involving its wide receivers more than its tight ends. Mitchell has seen 5, 7 and 10 targets in his last three games, with 4, 5 and 8 catches recorded. He also has three touchdowns in this span. The Ravens have allowed the 8th most fantasy points per game to wide receivers, and this seems like an account that Mitchell will be eager to settle. One of the players not to benefit from the injury to Rob Gronkowski has been fellow tight end Martellus Bennett. After snaring 7 of 7 targets for 102 yards against the Seahawks in Week 10, Bennett has been targeted just 11 times in his last three games, with 6 catches for 40 yards. He hasn't found the end zone since his three-score outing against the Browns back in Week 5. As generous as they are to wide receivers, the Ravens don't allow tight ends to beat them, with only the Cardinals giving up less fancy points per game. Bennett has 27 career touchdown receptions, but only 8 have come once October is in the books. Much like with a unicorn, it is folly to believe that Bennett has late-season fantasy appeal. Mm-hmm.